Hi, this is Jackie Fry, Design Ops Leader and Part-Time Sociologist. And this is Allison Rand, Design Ops Leader and Cognitive Neuroscientist in Training. And you are listening to In Common. Woo! Are you okay? Yeah. No, I'm okay. I'm okay. But no, not really. I'm not okay. Are you okay? I mean, I was texting you last week. I wasn't okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel okay. You and I Zoom from time to time and you'll always be like, wow, like how did you have time to do that? So sometimes I wear my mask of mascara and it's like, I'm okay, but it's not like 100, but I am so lucky and blessed and like, I can hold that as truth, but I also could say like, I just feel like as the more time goes on, the more we're expected to just have this step upper lip and it's business as usual. And I actually think that the people are gonna begin to unravel more rather than less. Right. I mean, we can look in history and know that that that's what happens. Like it's not, it's not the best psychological experience to, to sort of, uh, push down the emotion. So I guess like, I know I texted you. I was like, I'm not okay right now. And I just, (laughs) I really appreciate your friendship and I just, I need to tell. So I, I do feel like connection is very important when you're dealing with sort of these very deep you know, and I, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you have probably also texted someone like, ah, this is not cool. Yeah, (laughs) I am not okay. I'm not okay. But I also think we get these overzealous, um, messages about productivity. And I just want to like, also like farce, also farce, you know, just be where you're at, be who you are, take a shower, I mean, heck, brush your teeth for the first oh. time today. Like, do, it's like baby steps out of like, out of out of a traumatic experience is 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 probably a good path forward. But you know, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, though I've seen a lot. I um, I'm I'm taking baby steps and sort of like connecting in ways to help me with the, that I'm not okay. What are you doing? Well, I, I'm trying to go easy on myself, you know, um, which is hard to do. And it's hard to do as a, you know, people like us who are built in the ways where we just want to do a million things. And we have a very long, um, OKR list for us. <laughs> I was like, this sounds like a gold conversation. OKRs. <laughs> I was like, I think I, you're, I could, I was like sensing, are we going to goals right now? Like, oh my but I was gonna, I was just going to give some unsolicited advice of undercommit and over deliver even to yourself, babies. Yeah. Or just under deliver. That's okay too, to yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's like easing up on like, oh, I didn't exercise today or yesterday and I'm probably not going to exercise tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, self. I have no time. I'd rather sleep in. Um, So I think, I think, um, I think that it's really important to just like be okay. Well, I think number one, I think I said this to you too last week is to take some time to be okay with not being okay, but not too long and ease up on yourself, you know, because those are the only two things we have any control over. Everything else is kind of out of our control. I have an idea. Yes. Let's take 30 seconds before we get into our topic today. And Mm -hmm. let's have a little bit of a positive um, meditation. Are you with me on this? Sure. Okay, okay, we're gonna do it really fast. Okay. Um, And I'll talk us through it. So close your eyes. 
and uh, expand your circle of loving kindness by starting with yourself and moving gradually outward. So think about yourself and give yourself loving kindness. Start with yourself. Take a deep breath in. Now expand that kindness and loving kindness to a good friend. It's cool if it's me. It's totally you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, focus. Deep breath in and release. And then now expand that circle to a neutral person in your, in, that you may or may not know. And as you release that last breath, think about a difficult person in your life and expand your circle of loving kindness to that person. Now, last deep breath, think of all four of those people and take one final deep breath. And as you exhale, give that loving kindness to the entire universe. I just dropped some heavy, heavy, Aww. heavy stuff. That was really sweet. I'm feeling emotional now. Are you? Yes. I, I, love, I love the loving kindness meditation. I shared it with my team this week. So anyways. So I love it. I I'll love send it. it. I'll send that to you. But I you got can, it. You, can, you got it. You're I like, I already it. <laughs> well, you ready? All right. I am ready. Let's, Let's talk about Let's roll. So... Jackie, this week is. we are taking it back. We are taking it back. To my favorite topic. To your favorite topic, flow and superfluidity. All right, so let's, take, let's, let's go back to 2017. So tell me where you were at. Give us a sense of where you were in 2017. And yeah, tell me about this. Okay, so I was definitely listening to a lot of Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> Back then, I didn't really have a name that I knew of, um, but I had signed up to be the design project manager at, you know, and I was really excited, and that's where I was at in 2017. Career-wise, personally, all over the place, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting your role. You were a team of one, right? I think at the beginning of 2017 and where like the, how I found flow was at the beginning stages of, okay. of it. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 so tell, tell me about that experience of starting something completely nascent, new to your me. organization, new to you, <laughs> new to everything. Like this is now we're talking about three years ago. So yeah, talk me through that process. Well, I was just thinking that the role would be doing what I had done with previous roles, just in a new context. And when I had done that role in the past, it always usually started with triaging. And I've run, I've helped, you know, build sales operations organizations. I've helped support marketing operations. I've helped doing all these operational roles, programs, things like that. Um, and so the first thing I always do whenever I kind of start fresh is I just go into triage. What, mm -hmm. wh what are all the requests coming at me? And you just start, you go into this like um, really focused sort of watch, watching phase and you're still like playing. I'm sorry. I will eventually, I'm thinking about a soccer player, like Messi. Like, I don't know. If you, can I talk about Messi? Sure. But like, you know, it's, 
like the way he plays now is very different. I saw like a YouTube video about it and mm. they say like he watches for like the first 10 minutes a game. He's not moving that much, but he's watching. He's still playing. He's still involved, but you go into watch mode and you're kind of watching the landscape form around you. And so that for me just turns into like triaging all the requests or finding opportunities to volunteer and to find new requests. So in, in a way, you get to this place where you feel the ocean around you, you feel like sort of the environment around you. Mm-hmm. And then you get to this place where you, by like, by means of kind of bringing it all together, like boil, we, you've heard the term boil the ocean, but it's kind of like you sort of force the boiling of the ocean around you in order to understand it. So I was boiling an ocean in 2017. Yeah, well... <laughs> I still am. I'm still constantly. It's just like, con- like and so that's the whole thing now. It's just, it's, the ocean has like shape shifted like every few months into something else. And- right. Except you're, 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 you're three years into it. You have a very deep understanding of your direct landscape. And so like when you're coming into something new, there is all this discovery and triage and like, and it is, it is, um, I think about it also, Speaking of, and I don't know, I can't remember this particular fight, but it's the famous Muhammad Ali fight where he just like, punch. where he just like goes like quiet, like they say, you know, he just like completely shuts down and he's just being like totally pummeled and everyone's like, it's over, it's over, it's over. This is crazy. What is he doing? And he was just resting. And then he just like gets up and he just kills it. And in a lot of ways, it feels like that, right? You're just like, oh my gosh there's so much coming at you yeah and how do you even begin to um well it's like you're basically triaging and trafficking triaging and trafficking until you start to say okay like i have to take a moment to pause there has to be a pattern here there has to be a pattern. so let's talk about that let's talk about that well one um that was called the rumble in the jungle so the rumble in the jungle that's right. i researched and, so and it's good. called rope a dope um rope-a-dope. but the, the, oh. the boxing fighting but i think you know the the one also thing is like when you're in this sort of like you say like nascent um, industry and you're kind of defining it and you you also want to prove value so you want your hands to be in you want to be like doing stuff but you might not know if you're doing something this one time or if this actually is just your what becomes a future roles and responsibility and so yes you are at the the mechanism of like forcing the boiling of the ocean and like kind of crafting and mapping your landscape is to find the pattern and from that pattern to establish not only your individual roles and responsibility create clarity between like in, in our roles and design ops it forces it's a and i'm like raise your hand give me an amen if you've had to describe the difference between design ops and design management <laughs> <laughs> design i, I like <laughs> <laughs> a head of design ops versus a design director um or even as you get to the vp level and like a design ops world like th- this uh throwing in a role like design ops that you and i do it, it radically changes the landscape right mm-hmm. um, as well so what what you're kind of what i was always trying to figure out is like how am i changing the landscape is this a one-time only or is this the repeatable pattern and can i form what i love which are programs um, and I, I am such a fan of program management. I think somebody once said 
the greatest gift of a program manager or someone never told a program manager, your job is to actually like, like essentially not have to do the program anymore. Like you optimize the program so often you should optimize yourself out of a job. So, um, and that's, you know, sometimes programs are really long and hard to deliver on and great job security. And sometimes they're just like one or two years and you're in and you're out, you know, yeah. Like you yeah. established a program and inculcated it and like into the culture that mm -hmm. you don't need a person to do anymore. So I was on a mission to find that, but the boiling of the ocean definitely got overwhelming and gets overwhelming, but that's where I was at in 2017. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that was three years ago? Mm -hmm. So when, so what, when and how did you reach a tipping point? Because I imagine you did, as we all do. There's only so much that you can do of that, especially if you approach your work the way I know you approach your work is with a much broader, like strategic lens, you're going to hit a wall. And so what was your tipping point? What did it end? Yeah. I think I remember the moment very well, which means like I've told us, I've told this story, right? I have uh -huh. a story. I tell myself that I can remember it as I was driving home feeling overwhelmed. By that point, I think I had convinced somebody within like to join my team to help out but we were just triaging together at that mm -hmm, point mm -hmm. and we didn't really know and it was and we were you know at, dare I say like burning out and that wasn't it wasn't good and I just I knew I had to solve for it I knew I had to think about it as a system as the programs I knew that was like it was sort of like urgently the boil uh, the the sort of pot was boiling over on how you much. like the frog that slow boil frog thing. Yes, and you're like, <laughs> this looks like every analogy in here. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's all in there. It's all. In. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, no, I was, and and so I was driving home, and I was just, like, you know what? I'm not going to think about this at all. I'm just going to stop thinking about it as a means of like letting my brain find, giving myself a break, and potentially with not thinking about it, I could come up with some solutions. And as I was doing that, my brain, I was driving and like my brain just slowly drifted to this other life experience that I had. And then I started like being like, oh yeah, that's very interesting. Um, and so I started thinking about my collegiate experience. So I was a, a division one collegiate athlete and mm. I, I don't look like one, but I was, and I was so lucky. I played volleyball um, at Georgia Tech. Uh, and um, I started thinking about that, like that like just all these these thoughts started coming up of like, yeah, I mean, there was these drills that you would just, it would be so physically, emotionally, all these things were so hard to do. And it was this level of like pushing oneself individually that like, I don't, I have so rarely even experienced as like a, a much older adult out of, out of that life experience. Mm. But, you know, I could remember beating the drill you know, and I could remember pushing myself to do that. If you're not a sports, if you've not played sports, if, or if you have played sports, beating the drill is like the funnest thing in the world. But you, I don't, you, what does that mean for those of us who don't know, uh, like me? <laughs> <laughs> so beating the drill is like, if you're in a practice and you, they basically set up these drills so that you learn to like navigate your way out of like a situation in a game mm. that could be like down, so they'll set up the situation and they'll put like a B team and an A team. And like, surprise, I was on the B team. Uh, like, so I played for a couple of years, like, but I was on the B team. And so they would set it up where B were up 
on the A team by like two points. And how is the A team going to work out of this deficit, right? Mm -hmm. um, or they would do these drills like uh, get so many, so this is volleyball language, but like get so many um, passes before you have an error, meaning like you don't pass the ball. And and they kept having to make the drill harder and harder because we were getting so focused, so unified, so like able to, like we were pushing the A team really hard. Like it was just this incredible thing that I just, in that car ride home that one day, I was like, hold on, there's something in sports psychology. Let me go mm. think about this. So my, like my, I think you, had, you were talking before this, like the epiphany I had was like, let me go think about this really real experience I had and um, go to sports psychology and sort of look how other people have studied sports and what this like feeling that I had and I relished in as a collegiate athlete, which is like, you hear the term, like I feel in the zone, I feel mm. so focused, I feel accomplished, right? And I was yeah. trying, and I realized like the very thing I wanted was the very thing I was trying to do for myself, my team, and, and the design group that I support. I wanted them to say, I feel focused, I feel accomplished, I feel in the zone. Um, and so I, you know, I, I, I started thinking more about like, well then what were the activities I was doing to do that? And um, it was, I was constantly practicing. I mean, we practiced every, every day and then we played um, tournaments every weekend. Wow. Um, and, and we would study ourselves. So we would record our, uh, this is, you call it watching video and you would have to go watch yourself. Oh yeah. I saw that on cheer. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get what you're talking about. <laughs> I love cheer. <laughs> Clearly I would love cheer. There was so much flow state. And you, oh my gosh. So anyways, it, but there, okay. So, um, and you also train, so you're doing all this physical activity to work yourself and your brain and sort of, it became methodical. But I also realized I wasn't having to think about a lot of other stuff. So like if I was doing something, there was stuff I wasn't doing that was happening around me in order to allow me to get focused. And that was like, someone was planning schedules Mm. Someone was running programs. Like there were programs like all around us, which makes <clears throat> the program manager realize like, oh, that's what we're doing. Like a program at times can feel very visible, but most of the time it's invisible. No one knows. It's like your taxes, yeah. the tax of course. in the U.S. Like you don't know that all these people are thousands of people around the U.S. work just for the IRS and the tax season to happen and right. refunds to happen, right? right? So it's like programs are happening and leadership. People were decisive. People were clear people were um were were, were going after specific right. directive yep mm -hmm. and so i thought about how i felt what was i doing because i felt that way but what was i not doing but that was present around me in this incredible experience of being um a d1 athlete and um and so i i got home i was driving the whole like my 20 minute drive home i was thinking about this and just like kind of landed on this and i got out of the car and i searched like focus in the zone sports psychology what popped up was this book called flow by mihai chikmensihai and i definitely had to practice learning how to say his name but it was uh and i i like was quickly like i watched a video on i watched his ted talk i like and ordered the book that night and i was like this is it so oh pumped. my gosh so this pumped. is it and so we've all talked about flow states yes but he studied flow states he studied some of the best um 
performers, artists, design, the most creative people and sports, some people, you know, like find that sports are a form of creativity, right? Yeah. Um, but he studied these people and he studied what it took to get into flow state. And that was this aha moment about that, that led us to understanding the patterns and finding the patterns in the boiled ocean that we were sitting in. Interesting. Fascinating. <laughs> well, for me, <laughs> I was, I was like in my head, it did. I, it took a while for, I was like, no, no book flow. It's great. People are like, why? <laughs> no, but it's super interesting because you have, there's the outline that I see, you know, um, that you've outlined and there's uh, the, there are two main strategies we can adopt to improve the quality of life. Mm. The first is to try to make is to try making external conditions match our goals. Woo-hoo! The second is to change how we experience external conditions to make them fit our goals better. If you break up how I described my experience of being a collegiate athlete, yeah. that is exactly yeah. what we did. Yeah. Like, literally like we we made goals we made the external condition the environment allow for our goals to happen they were in sync with our goals and the second was um we changed how i experienced those goals my mindset mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. how i use the environment to achieve the goals and it's these this is i definitely something that i was like duh but i don't think we think enough about this no i don't it's it, i definitely don't think it's duh I mean, it could be, but people don't think about these kinds of things. I for, love you know. this thing. No, I mean, and, and it took you a moment to even find this, right? To make that connection. And it was your world. Like, it was two worlds that you were actually living in. Yeah. I even remember um, when my uh, oldest daughter was, she went to a Waldorf school for many, many years. And I just loved it. I loved it for her, but I, I just loved the philosophy so much because it really matched this exactly. It was like understanding the world and then finding a way to allow the world to fit into you. You know, yes. so it's like that those two things happening at the same time, instead of constantly trying to adjust yourself to fit into the condition that's not properly, properly right? Like how do, you, how do you make those two things happen at the same time? How do you teach people to feel comfortable or to like continually figure out ways in which they can make those two things happen at the same time? Yes. I think that like, I, I think we can say the words and, and show understanding of this. This is a very deeply misunderstood concept of goal setting. My fav- my other favorite topic, goal setting. <laughs> and, and focus and what it takes to like achieve that. Yeah, this is probably like my favorite takeaway. And this is what I've used in sort of guiding the work of operations and how I see the work of operations, how it supports sort of strategy in the long run. And I, I sort of landed on this place, but like, yeah, all of this is good and well, but there's friction everywhere. Mm-hmm. How like, and mm-hmm. yes, I have to condition right. my environment, right. but right. do I have control over that? And right. I think then I realized that it's not just about doing the thing for our department or our unit or our silo. It's actually conditioning for this like almost globally felt, like universally felt um, uh, fluidity uh, and and then from fluidity and flow I found uh, super fluidity which is the state that like so rarely is achieved it's in um, physics and I think there's a definition of it somewhere in there but it's it's super fluidity is the characteristic 
property of a fluid with zero viscosity, um, which therefore flows without loss of kinetic energy. In many ways though, like by experience as an athlete, I could remember this experience of being so focused on the task at hand of playing sports or doing something that I'd gotten to this place where I, you would actually feel like time stopped. You could feel, and these are all characteristics of flow state. You would feel time stopped. You would lose sense of how hard, like things, you would lose sense of how hard your body's working. It would feel effortless. Um, and you know, the funny thing in volleyball and in the role I played was like all of this would happen and I'd be like, oh my gosh, yes. And it like, I could read the words on like the volleyball, but like it ha like happening right before it hits you in the face. So like- Right, <laughs> right, right. So it's, and so I saw so much connection to like super fluidity. It's like not, it's so rarely met, you know, this, but it could be like a North star. And if flow is what we're after and sort of the characteristics of flow for individuals to achieve flow states, um, how do we as managers, as design leaders, change that experience of the environment so that they can hit those goals? And that how can their, and if their goals don't match the environment we're crafting, how can we better align and better manage that or help them to understand that through clarity uh, and through actually helping them find the right connections to the career they want to build? Like, OMG, this was just like, this had so much, this is like the perfect example of adjacencies that like you and I talk about all the time. Yeah. This is, yeah. I gave this talk and this is how we met. You were like, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, 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 yes. This was our moment because I was, your talk was absolutely one of my most favorite talks so i was like who is this woman and how can we become best friends because and then we, we became best friends like literally right after that <laughs> yeah i know because meredith meredith and meredith again meredith we love you was like you two should just be best friends so really, we were like, uh, yeah okay <laughs> but anyways it's it these these are great theories that are like rooted in science in like research but like i'm not making this up I'm applying them right. analogously to my environment, my situation, and trying to find, like, I think they call it sense-making, where you yes. try to make sense of your yes. situation, but using analogy, using other theories, using other concepts. And like, you know, the funny thing is like, I was boiling the ocean, I was creating this nascent practice, da, da, da. and then uh, at that very same talk and at that conference every year, people who've been doing this job for years and years and years will come up to me and say, I've been doing design ops for 30 years. They just call it design ops now. Just, right. I'm sure of you course. can relate to it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and the concepts that you're play, that you're saying right now is like, yeah, you're, you're applying names to things like, oh, um, you know, what we've said in the past is like being comfortable working in ambiguity and being yes. super flexible and understanding that like, you know, that things are going to, you, you'll, you'll build a baseline, but it's always going to change like all those kinds of things. And like, I think that getting, um, applying some level of like, I don't know, like uh, academic thinking to it. It's just, it is to your point, it is really just sense-making. It's trying to just make sense of all of these things that are coming at you and trying to identify those patterns, trying to connect the dots between past experiences or like analogous experiences or whatever they have to create a better path forward or a better experience. Understanding. Yeah, exactly. But I think there's one common denominator 
to all of this is these are human systems, except for superfluidity, which is like physics and only can happen with certain properties of like <laughs> chemicals or something like that. Like, uh, but, but flow is a, is tapping into and understanding the pattern around humans and how they find focus and achievement and great achievement and how, what it takes to receive that. Achievement. So it's, it, it's sense making, but the reality that like we have to understand is like, while it feels like design ops is new, it's, it's the same human pattern, just in a different format. So like, mm -hmm. this is also hard to say and sometimes hard to hear, but it's like, what feels new is the nature is like history isn't necessarily always repeating itself. It's we're humans and we act in patterns and we, we have, we are, we can, we can study ourselves. So I also, you know, love sociology, anthropology, like mm -hmm. all of these practices. And it's, it's kind of taking that sort of systems view of humans in our behavior, our cognitive behavior, our sort of like, and I know this is sort of getting into some areas you love to talk about, but it, mm -hmm. like I've applied it to design ops. I've applied it to helping to quote unquote scale uh, a design organization and understand what it takes to do that and change management around that. This can be applied to anything. This could be applied to parenting. This could be applied to <laughs> management. This could be applied to research yeah. ops, not only exclusive yeah. to design ops. We are yeah. all trying to do some form, some of this hopefully makes sense to somebody who's listening today. And, but for me, it's like, you know, if I could get this tattooed under my eyelids, I would. I love it. So <laughs> and so ultimately where you've netted out your kind of call to action around conditioning the environment, that's a tough one, you know, because just like superfluidity, it's this sort of North star ideal state that only exists in a very small, like a vacuum. Micro yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's real, but it's not real. Yeah. It's um, an azimuth. They, you yeah. know, like an azimuth is like an Nate in the Navy, like Navy, they call it the azimuth where it's something far into the distance. You can't see it, but it drives you and inspires you so much that you'll continue for, for it. Right. I like love like that. Land when you're out at sea. It's like, that's yeah. an azimuth. it's like your siren's call. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. All right, let's keep this moving. Anyways, okay, but back to it. But it's. But I think that's. Um. So if there's, like I said, there's something to take away. It's understanding. Like this is this is great. Read the book flow. Like this is an amazing book. But the thing to take away is that like, if we want to get our goals, you must change the environment and condition it so that those goals can be achieved. And right. you have to change yourself and condition and change the way your, you behave in order mm -hmm. for those goals to be achieved. So, and that can be applicable if you're trying to lose 10 pounds, that could be applicable. If you're trying to get to go from like UX to CX as a practice, to get people to start using service design. So this is sort of just a mechanism to understand humans and our human nature and how we work. So that is yeah. an amazing, amazing takeaway is like condition the environment to meet your goals. Evaluate as your condition, is the environment set up for you to meet it? If not, identify it, there's your change management. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to, I was just going to say, going back to our talk, you made an excellent game, brilliant <laughs> game. <laughs> and so I think there are, again, two things that have to happen at the same time is like, you know, having 
your own self-awareness, having, you know, being an excellent observer and listener to be able to like identify the opportunities and gaps in the environment around you and figuring out the way to connect those dots. And then like following these patterns or following these kind of paths, which are in the game and, (laughs) (laughs) um, and like there it's all, it's all like a, um, you know, like a a clustering exercise. Yeah. It's, 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 and that's what programs do. I think that's like, that this is, Hopefully, like Allison and I are shaking our heads. Yes, OMG, mm, yes. Mm, We've jumped around a lot in a this. Lot. But if you just are interested in this, I would say absolutely go read the book Flow by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. It's called Flow, The Psychology of Optimal Experience. Like if you are a design leader, that has to just like tickle your brain a little bit. <laughs> so that's, I think that's my recommendation for our, like if you, if you want to take, if you like this topic, go read that book. But also um, it's not as simple as just reading the book. It's, it's self-awareness. And once you hit that, you'll start to understand sort of others' motivations and the human systems that you, you're in every day. Yeah, totally. And I would say it helps when you're able to go deep in one place, but it also helps over time to experiment in other places. And then you really start to, you start to see human patterns, but you also start to just get better at your own self-awareness and what you can bring into environments that are inherently different and the same. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? After this topic, I started getting obsessed with chaos theory, which is the thing that breaks flow. So (laughs) more on that another time. We'll talk about that another time. (laughs) Right. Well, Jackie, as always, it's been a pleasure. If you want more from me, Allison Rand. And me, Jackie Fry. Go to incommon.design. Alrighty, that's our show. Ciao. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.